Welcome, this is Jessica Ortner and our time together is dedicated to feeling good within all of life's complexities. We'll be going on a wandering path, exploring topics like spirituality, productivity, and personal fulfillment. Because happiness is not a destination, it's an adventure. So welcome to Adventures in Happiness. Hello, hello, and welcome to episode 25. Thank you so much for joining me today. A little life update before we start. I just came home from two amazing weeks in Argentina. You may know, but I was born in Argentina, so I have all of my aunts and my uncles and my cousins and my second cousins and my great aunts and uncles. They're all there. It's a big family. And my fiancé is also from Argentina, so I got to meet his entire family, including his incredible 89-year-old grandfather, who used to play cards with the current pope. He told me that like three times, and I loved it every single time. So it was this amazing trip, a big trip. It was both of us were meeting a lot of family. But the hardest part about being in Argentina, for me, is that everybody eats dinner at around 10 o'clock, and I'm used to going to bed at 10.30. So after a few nights there, I felt exhausted and really grumpy. I had my grumpy pants on. If you think that because I have a podcast called Adventures in Happiness that I'm happy all the time, you are mistaken. I was so grumpy, and I noticed this, And I even laughed for a moment because just the irony of it. I had just done an interview with Sean Stevenson about sleep. And I knew that I was staying on this topic. And then I had this interview with Ariana Huffington about sleep. And here I was completely sleep deprived. So when I had that little aha moment and I had an opportunity to laugh at myself, I decided that I needed to be more flexible. I had to let myself sleep in. I had to make sure that I napped before dinner. And it's really because I realized that just because I couldn't be in my ideal sleep schedule, it wasn't an excuse to ignore all the things that I could do. So staying on that, we talk about that in this interview and so much more. Ariana Huffington is such a fascinating woman, and she is also so warm and lovely. It was really nice to talk to her, so I, I think you'll have your own aha moments. I don't. It doesn't seem like I need to give her a big introduction. Most of you probably know who she is. Ariana Huffington is the co-founder and editor-in-chief of the Huffington Post. Forbes named her one of the most powerful women in the world, And if I had to really read her entire bio of everything she's done, it would probably take this entire show. So uh, that's the basics. She is such uh, an amazing woman. It was a real honor to get the chance to speak to her. And I will admit that I was so nervous because this is, I mean, she's a big deal, Ariana Huffington. Luckily, I know her sister, Agape, who is a fantastic author, And one of the things that I know about Ariana through her sister is how much she values family. And it's something that I don't think a lot of people know about her. And I found 
that to be so comforting. And once we started chatting, she's just so likable and so insightful. I really enjoyed it, and I think it's an interview that you're going to really enjoy listening to. A quick little side note is that there is a moment that the sound begins to cut out a little bit. You can still completely understand what she's saying, but if you notice it, just keep going. It is a very small technical glitch that doesn't last very long. Her new book, which we talk a lot about, is called The Sleep Revolution. And we talk about her book, but we talk about more. We talk about values in our society, some tips for us to be able to say no to other people and to things so that we can begin to say yes to ourselves. Check it out. Listen to it. Again, this is an act of love. So if you love this interview, spread it, share it with your friends and your family. Enjoy. How are you? Very good. How are you? I am great. I'm so excited to speak with you. Thank you so much for being on the show. Oh, I'm thrilled. You know, I was getting a bit nervous as I was waiting, and then I was just thinking to myself, this is Agape's sister, and Agape is the sweetest, most wonderful person. I have no doubt that we're going to have a good time with her sister, Ariana. (laughs) Oh, I'm so looking forward to it, really. Well, first off, congratulations on your new book, The Sleep Revolution. Thank you so much. Thank you. I uh, I picked it up at the airport and I read it from cover to cover. And I'd love to start the show with the story that you first start the book with, this kind of big incident that happened in April 2007. Uh, could you tell us about that? Absolutely. I am... Um so glad you are starting with that because this was also the beginning of my um, becoming a sleep evangelist. It was really two years into building the Huffington Post, having just come back from taking my oldest daughter through colleges, that I collapsed from exhaustion and sleep deprivation, hit my head on my desk, broke my cheekbone, and that was the beginning of my both reevaluating how I was living my life, but also looking around and seeing how many millions of people are actually sleep deprived, exhausted, and sleepwalking through life. Mm-hmm. So th- did you know when you first got hurt that that was the reason that it was sleep? You know, what had to happen for you to realize that that was the real cause to you collapsing? That's a great question because, no, I I did not know. You know, of course, when you collapse and um, suddenly um, you are put through a battery of tests to mm-hmm. see what's wrong with you. Uh, do you have a brain tumor? Do you have um, uh, something wrong with your heart? And really it was at the end of all these tests that I was basically told, you have modern civilization's disease, burnout, and you need to change the way you live your life. We can't give you a pill or do any surgery. Right. Yeah, that must have been a huge awakening. And so here you are and you're, you know, the reason that you're burnt out is because you're working on something that you're passionate about. So I can imagine when you first get this news that you need to begin to sleep more, it might have not been the easiest thing to hear because we live in a culture, and you wrote this in your book, that we're often taught that 
overwork and burnout are the price we most have to pay in order to, to be successful. So did you struggle with that at first, thinking that this might actually impact your work? Well, what is interesting is that when you have a wake-up call like that, it's much easier to receive new information. So in a sense, um, one of my motivations for writing the book and speaking about it is I want people to bring about changes in their lives without having to have painful wake-up calls like Mm -hmm. mine or much worse. I mean, there are people obviously who collapse with massive heart attacks and their lives are changed forever. So I feel that now that we have this overwhelming amount of new science that shows that we've been living under a collective delusion when it comes to sleep and that in fact sleep is not negotiable, Mm. is not optional, um, we can actually begin to change our minds about its importance. And once we change our minds, it's much easier to change our habits. Yes, yes, absolutely. So when we want to begin to change our habits, what are some things that you tell people that are just the easiest steps that they can take? So the easiest thing is to create a transition to sleep. I think that's one of the major problems, uh, Jessica, that we really um, don't have that transition at the moment. A lot of us are just on our phones until the last minute, and then suddenly we turn off the light and we expect to not only go to sleep but stay asleep. And the truth is that our brains often wake us up in the middle of the night, which is not a problem in itself, but then we have a hard time going back to sleep because our brains never wound down. So what I recommend, and I have, of course, as you know, an entire long section in the book called The Way Forward about these tips and techniques. But what I recommend is that, first of all, we take off all our devices. I now do it 30 minutes before I'm going to go to sleep, but you can start with 5 or 10. Start with a micro step and turn them off and gently escort them out of the bedroom. That is key because if you sleep with your phone by your bed, it's like having your entire life, all your work, right there beside you. And if you wake up in the middle of the night for whatever reason, you are going to be tempted to um, go to your devices, and that's going to make it much, much harder to go to sleep. Right. So that's the first step. After that, I'm a big believer in having a bath, but if you don't like a bath, have a a hot shower that washes the day away. That's like a clear demarcation line between the day and the night. And I try to make it um, really um, kind of like a ritual. I have uh, flickering candles um, around my bathtub. I use Epsom salts. It's really... um, a clear message to my brain as well as my body that the day is done with all its incompletions, with all the mistakes I may have made, all the things that went wrong, it's done. This is time to sleep and recharge. Right. So the power of a ritual. You mentioned just now the importance of 
taken a break from our devices. And you said 30 minutes before you wind down. Now, this is a great tip. And yet many people struggle with implementing it because they have what, what you actually talk about this in the very first page of your book, but this, this fear of missing out, this FOMO. And there's sometimes this attachment to our devices of, well, if I, if I put it down, I might miss an email or I, I just want to catch up on what everyone's doing on Facebook. What advice do you have someone who struggles with disconnecting? So, well, the first piece of advice is to, to you that they don't have to start with 30 minutes. I understand we're all a little addicted. Start with five, 10 minutes. Start with a small step, and then you can add to it. But the other piece of advice is that right now we are missing out on our lives. Just remember what you feel like when you are sleep deprived and you are walking through your day from meeting to meeting, from um, event to event, whatever is on your day. And you are not fully present. You are not really bringing joy into what you are doing. You are just going through the motions. This is such a shame Mm -hmm. because this is the only life we have. And uh, life is fragile and we all the time have reminders that anything can change from one moment to the next. So can we be fully present right now um, instead of exhausted and, and going through our life like a zombie? Right. What I thought was really unique about your book is that there's so many studies about health and about productivity when it comes to sleep. But you also talk about a third element that I love to read about, which was the spirit. How do you believe that getting enough sleep helps us on a, on a spiritual level? Well, thank you for bringing that up because I think these are like the three elements. The first is obviously our health because we have conclusive evidence that we are compromising our health when we are sleep deprived. The second, as you mentioned, is productivity and performance. But the third is really the fact that we are not just our bodies and we are not just our successes and failures and our jobs and our careers. We are also spiritual beings. And even if um, you don't believe that, at least everybody recognizes that there is a mystery to life beyond all our everyday um, to-do lists and projects. And, and sleep is the gateway to that mystery. That's what I think is terribly important for us to remember. And dreams, of course, have been part of every religion. And um, in every religion, dreams have been the way that God communicates with um, human beings. And sometimes our dreams are very mundane. They're simply processing emotional incompletions, but that's useful too. And sometimes they're incredibly significant and they're full of insights about our lives. Can you share a story with us, either your own or some of the research that you did about how a dream impacted somebody's life? Well, in my case, I've had this recurring dream, which has been incredibly significant in how I live my life. Um, And in that dream, I'm on it in a train going home to God. And um, if you don't believe in God, you can just say going home. But I'm comfortable with saying going home (laughs) to God. And in my compartment, 
um, are my children, my sister Agapi, whom you know, my closest friends. And what I've realized through dreaming this dream in many different versions many times is that everything that happens in my life is scenery along the way. So some of it is beautiful scenery and some of it is ugly scenery. You know, the same way if you're on a long train journey, you see both. And my happiness depends entirely on how much I cling to the scenery. Am I clinging to the ugliness, to the problems, or am I letting them move on? Because what I realized from this dream is that the essence of life is movement, um, and, the, and pain comes from clinging to whatever it is that's happening, either good or bad. Yes, I love that. And uh, when it comes to sleep, you, you talked about the importance of having a ritual and also beginning with just acknowledging how important this is to, uh, to our health and to our productivity and to our spirit. What happens when you find yourself going into some bad sleeping habits? And this actually question can be related to any bad habits. Obviously, there's no perfect human in the world. When you catch yourself going into a bad habit, what is one of the first things that you do? So um, one of the first things for me is, uh, let's say for some reason, I didn't get my full eight hours, which is what I need. Um, to try and have a nap as soon as possible. A nap is the best way to reset. And, you know, there will always be times with the best intentions when you have a, um, a young child or a sick parent or a big project that you need to have um, a deadline for. That's, all, that's human. I think what I'm talking about is in those instances, how quickly can you reset so you don't waste the whole of your day being exhausted. So at the Huffington Post, we have two nap rooms, and we highly recommend to everyone if they're exhausted for whatever reason in the middle of the afternoon to take a nap rather than a fifth cup of coffee or a third <laughs> cinnamon bun. And uh, the other thing that is essential is to prioritize sleep because otherwise there are always going to be so many things that take precedence over it, including sometimes just our favorite shows. You know, how many people binge watch shows? I mean, just to give you an idea, I have only watched one episode of House of Cards <laughs> because I, <laughs> I made my sleep more important. Right, right. You know, um, you wrote something that I thought was so interesting about when you were a young mother, and you wrote that, in my mind, getting enough sleep would mean taking something away from my daughter. What advice do you have for someone who is going through a similar situation where they they begin to actually feel some guilt, they experience guilt around going to sleep and not doing more? Yes, absolutely. I think that springs from lack of knowledge. Mm. about um, the importance of sleep and how it affects everything. Um, I'm a much better mother when I had enough sleep, and the same is true of everybody. We're less irritable, less moody. Just think of it. Um, I 
thought the other day that you know how we talk about secondhand smoking? Right. We should be talking about secondhand sleep deprivation. <laughs> because when you're sleep deprived, it affects everybody around you. Yes. You know, you're not as pleasant a person to be around. You're not as empathetic. You're not as compassionate. And you're not as joyful. Right. Do you go to bed at the same time every night? No, I don't find that realistic for my life. Mm-hmm. So I don't. I try not to set rules that are not realistic. I definitely prioritize going to sleep before midnight uh, because all the evidence is that that sleep is more restorative. But if something happens, I have a delayed flight or whatever, that doesn't make that possible. It's more important to try and get the eight hours because that means you've completed all the different cycles of sleep. And you know when that is the case because you wake up naturally instead of waking up with an alarm. just think of it, Jessica, you know, alarm. It immediately implies that you're starting your day in a fight-or-flight mode, mm-hmm. um, you know, with your body flooded with a cortisol stress hormone before you even begin your day. Right. It's so true. It's so true. You know, when we want to change something in our lives and we want to make it a priority, it often means that we have to say no to some other things. So you mentioned no to binge watching certain shows. It may also mean no to certain work commitments or even certain social gatherings. Do you have yes. any any insights on how we can feel more comfortable saying no? Yes. <laughs> um, I think... If we if we look at it as saying no to certain things means really said telling saying yes to other things, mm-hmm. including saying yes to showing up fully present and joyful in our lives. So um, I think also saying no is like um, a muscle that we build and it gets easier um, the more. Um, the more we do it. And if we think of it as what are we saying yes to when we are saying no to something, it makes it easier. Yes, that's so true. In your book, Thrive, and and even in The Sleep Revolution, I see a a big conversation around values. What are we valuing within our society and how many people aren't valuing sleep enough? Besides sleep, what are some things that you feel that we don't value enough that we need to spend more time nurturing and, and spending time on? Well, not valuing sleep is obviously very connected to um, not valuing the fact that human beings are not just um, our jobs and our careers and our projects and our to-do list, that there is something else about being human. And um, when we value that, then everything changes in our lives. For me, um, when I lose track of that thread, uh, I lose the joy in my life. I lose the gratitude. I take things for granted. I move on automatic. And for me, the key here is to recognize that we're never going to live from that deep, connected place 
every moment of our lives. But the more aware we become of when we are not in that place, and the more quickly we can course correct, um, the fuller our lives are going to be. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I loved reading about your life growing up and just thinking about how much your life has changed in the sense of you grew up in a a one-bedroom apartment in Greece, sharing it with your sister and your mother. And I'm sure as your life changed and evolved, there must have been different elements of culture shock, you know, going to study university in England and then moving to the United States. But one thing I'm curious about is did you notice any culture shock between, you know, the the girl living a modest life in Greece uh, and then reaching success and abundance? Was there something about, you know, quote unquote, arriving that um, shocked you that was kind of different as to what you thought? And did you feel like there was any, uh, it was important to, to go back to your roots to look for guidance? Oh, absolutely. First of all, I was very blessed to to have my mother with me and my sister Agapi that I'm so close to. And so this was kind of our little tribe. And um, I always fell back on what my mother had taught me about failure, that failure is not the opposite of success, but a stepping stone to success. And my mother always revered sleep. And, you know, she... She had never been to college, and she didn't know all the modern science on sleep, but if you think of it, she sounded like a modern scientist because she would always uh, tell Agapi and me, you know, when you get enough sleep, everything is better, your, your mood, your grades, and your health. And in that sense, when things would get tough about being in a new country, facing obstacles, um. I knew that when I had a good night's sleep, everything looked brighter. You know, that we can respond to things so differently depending on on how um, exhausted or recharged we are. And I find that this for me is a great barometer now. How am I handling adversity? And um, we see that wherever we are, um, in our lives, whether you're somebody who was an immigrant to a new country as I was, or whether you're dealing with multiple demands on your time as I am now, it's um, it's really the same principle that applies. Yeah, yeah, that's fantastic. There are a few questions that I like to ask all of my guests. So one of the questions is, and obviously you can relate it to this book, but what is something in your life that at the time that it happened, it seemed horrible, but looking back, it was a blessing in disguise? Oh, a lot of things. Um, The man that I was incredibly in love with in my 20s, who was twice my age and half my size, didn't want to get married, didn't want to have children, and I ended up leaving him. We used to live in London at the time and moved to New York uh, when I was 30, and that was really the beginning of my whole life, you know, my children, my books, the Huffington Post. So I say that to a lot of people who, who get upset if a relationship isn't going well or ends or a project isn't working that very often out of these hardships comes a whole new amazing chapter. So true. So another question is, what is something that 
no one would know about you unless they knew you as a child. I usually say what if they knew you in middle school, but I don't know what the the system was in Greece. But, <laughs> but if, as a 13-year-old Ariana, what what is something about her that just her friends would know? Um, well, you have no idea how curly my hair is. <laughs> I'm going really? to send you a picture. Okay, I would love to that. to put on your website. <laughs> you will not believe it. And uh, sometimes when I'm on vacation, I let it I let it go crazy and curly and wild. Um, but I think unless you knew me as a child, you would not know that. Oh, that's fantastic! I had no idea. Um, Ariana, what is something that you do uh, when you really just know that you need to have more fun in your life? You've been working. You're like, I just, I'm gonna, I want to go have some more fun. What, what do you do? So my most fun thing is having uh, dinner with my daughters. I love it, and um, we have ground rules like no devices um, at the table. Um, we open up about everything. I'm very blessed that my daughters are also my best girlfriends. That's beautiful. Um, Before I ask you the last question I ask everyone, I want to just um, touch upon the book one last time, The Sleep Revolution. When you, when the book was published and you had that first copy in your hand, what was your greatest hope for the book? So I really wanted to have exactly the conversation that's happening, Um, a conversation about our values, a conversation about broadening our definition of success to include our well-being and our wisdom and our capacity for wonder. And now we sleep a conversation around how foundational to everything, our health, our productivity, our happiness, and our spiritual lives is sleep. Right, right. Well, Ariana, this last question might be one of the silliest questions that you get all day, but I think it gives us an insight into people's personalities. If you could be any kind of animal, what would you be and why? You know, I'd love to be a giraffe. <laughs> um, because I just, I just love how graceful giraffes are. And it would remind me that kind of the key to life is how do we turn struggle into grace? You know, it's um, there's struggle in every life, even the, the most blessed. And when we tune into the fact that we are not alone, that everything has a purpose, or as Rumi put it, live life um, as, as though everything is rigged in your favor, everything changes. And for me, a giraffe is just a kind of symbolic reminder of all that. I love that. Well, thank you so much, Ariana, for being on the show. And I recommend The Sleep Revolution to all those who are listening. It's a really great book. Congratulations. And thanks again for spending time with us. Thank you so much. I loved it. Thank you. (laughs) Take care. Thank you. Thank you.